name is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Today, uh, I want to share with you a message about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, it's, it's a it's a sort of a concept as, as we go along through our, our, our walk with the Lord. The Holy Spirit, for me, actually wasn't really as clear as I, as I thought it was when I was younger to, to where I am now. And so I thought it would be good for us to really go over and see what the Word of God talks about of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit works in the Old Testament, how the Holy Spirit works in the New Testament, how the Holy Spirit works in our lives now that we can receive the, the Holy Spirit. Um, so th- that's w- sort of where we're going to be covering today is, is the Holy Spirit. Life by the Holy Spirit. A young missionary, Herbert Jackson, was given a car to help him in his work. The car was a major asset, but it had one difficulty. It, it would not start without a push or a jump start. Jackson devised a system to cope with the car's inability to start. Jackson devised, uh, sorry, when he was ready to leave his home, he went to a nearby school and he got all the kids together and he he sat in in the truck and they pushed him to get going every single time he had to go from his house. Now throughout the day, he was very careful to park on a hill or to keep his engine running to make sure that when he got back in, he could just take off. And he did this for two years. He thought it was ingenious. I mean, seriously, he thought this was like the, the best thing ever. Now, when poor health forced Jackson and his, uh, the Jackson family to leave the field, a new missionary arrived to lead the mission. When Jackson explained to the new missionary his method for starting the car, the young man opened up the hood and began to inspecting what was going on inside. He said, why, Dr. Jackson, he interrupted. I believe the only trouble is the loose cable. He twisted the cable pushed the switch, and the engine roared to life. For two years, Dr. Jackson had used his own devices and endured needless trouble to power, um, to make sure that his car was started. But the power to start the car was there all the time. It only needed to be connected. And for many of us, this can be the case. We know the Word of God. We grew up with it. We memorized it. We learned the stories. But we have a hard time connecting to the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit. And today, I want to look at that power, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God that makes us new, that moves us forward in a direction that God desires where I want us all to live by the power of the Spirit, not our own strength, trying to push this car to get it going, but by the strength of the Spirit living inside of us. So if we're going to examine what the Spirit is, we have to do some uh, sort of dividing up of what the Spirit means in the Old Testament and the New Testament, because it, it can be sort of a... Hard to explain at times because of the different meanings of the word spirit. So let's start out. We're going to go to the Old Testament, and we're going to talk about what the Spirit does in the Old Testament. Um, 
the whole, in the Old Testament, the Spirit, number one, it animates and gives life. It animates and gives life. So when it comes to the Holy Spirit, most people don't really know how the biblical authors spoke about God's Spirit. You know, when I think of the Holy Spirit, I think of New Testament, day of Pentecost, all that kind of stuff. Um, I, for myself, the concept of the Holy Spirit was this little voice inside my head that said, hey, go do this and go do that and don't do that because that's wrong. Um, people would tell me that I had to live by the power of the Spirit, but I didn't really know what that meant. So when the biblical authors actually talked about the Spirit of God, they used two words, which we're going to talk about. Um, ruach, you have to clear your throat at the end. Ruach is a Hebrew word, all right? And then Amisha. And they both mean somewhat of the same thing. They've both been translated both ways in, um, to, uh, for this word, but I want you to take a deep breath and then breathe it out, all right? That right there is what the basic meaning of the word for ruach is. We use it for breath. We use it for wind. We use it for the spirit of a person, the spirit of God. We also use it for the mind. So the basic meaning of all that is breath. Uh, Job 34, 15 through 14 says, If he put his mind to it and withdrew the spirit and breath that he gave, every living thing would perish together and mankind would return to the dust. So that breath, the ruach, the amasha, in our bodies, it animates us. I mean, try living your life without breathing. It won't last very long, okay? When we die, our breath stops. It gives us life. So that's the, one of the very basic meanings. Another meaning is wind. Wind. And if you look at wind, you can, you can see it because of its effects, not because you can actually see wind. Wind moves branches and it moves leaves and it, it pushes things. You're in a hurricane. It could push you. I mean, it, it's strong and powerful. And in Genesis 3.8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, or ruach. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So we got breath inside of us. We got the wind that moves us. And then we have spirit. Spirit. The spirit is a, a life animating presence of God that was present in creation and sustains all things. And if we die, the first thing that goes from us is our spirit. We borrow spirit from God and it goes back to him when we die. Psalm 104, 29 through 30 says, if you hide your face from any creature, they are dismayed when you take away their ruach. They die and they return to the dirt. And when you send forth your ruach, your spirit, your breath, they are created and you revitalize the surface of the ground. So it can refer to a person's spirit in them. A lot of people will say it's sort of like a, a, their personality. It's, it's who you are inside. Because the spirit of a man can be troubled. The spirit of man can be angered. All right, I know that we've all felt that anger inside of us sometimes. And you're like, well, is that my spleen getting angry? I don't, I don't know what part of that. It's like this part of you that you're like, it's not just one thing. It's just it's the, it's the spirit inside of me. 
So we got breath, we got wind, we got spirit, and then we also have mind, the mind. The mind is referring to the frame of mind, the way that a person wills something. We all like to will different things. A lot of times in our lives, we suffer from anxiety and stress because we will something that we want, but it doesn't end up that way. You guys ever felt that? You're like, I want things to go this way, and they're not. And it's like, ugh, and the stress and all. So the way that we have a frame of mind about life is, can, can be Ruach as well. Um, Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me, a steadfast will. And when the spirit renews us, he renews us in his will and in, in his way. Um, so we have breath, wind, we have our spirit and our mind. And, and these are things that the author wants us to keep in mind when we hear about the spirit of God throughout the scriptures. God's spirit brings life. It is invisible. It animates us. It, it gives us the ability to have a will. Okay? Sometimes not God's will, but will. Right? Our own mind of thinking of things. So that's the basic understanding of, of the Spirit. Uh, number two, the Spirit also, it, it orders things. It orders things. Early in Genesis, we have the creation account and the Spirit of God. Now we're talking about the Spirit before. Now we're talking God's specific, specific Spirit, okay? Genesis 1-2 says, The earth, earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And this was happening as God was creating everything. The Spirit of God is present during creation. And, and it says in Psalm 104.30, when you send forth your breath, they are created, and you renew the surface of the ground. God's Spirit, His Ruach, is used to create things. The Spirit was, in the beginning, creating things, ordering things. When we look, about, look at our lives, okay, we have the ability with the, the breath in us to order our lives however we want to. We can say, I want my will to go this way or that way. God's Spirit wants to do the same thing, but order it in the way that He wants it to go. And most of the time, we don't want that. We want to order our lives the way that we see best um, and, and the way that we want to do things. So he orders our lives, but um, when it comes to how that happens, we have to say no to ourselves and yes to him. So another thing the Bible talks about in the Old Testament is what the Holy Spirit of God is. So we've talked about the Spirit of God. What is the, what is the Holy Spirit? I think of Pentecost, the first thing is Holy Spirit of God. But actually, the Holy Spirit is in the Old Testament, too. The Holy Spirit of God. And it usually refers to the presence of God in the temple. The presence of God in the temple. We're talking about His Holy Spirit. Um, because if there is no distinction, you're like, okay, well, I have breath in me. 
dogs and cats have breath in them, animals. Everyone has this breath in them, so why do I need this thing called the Holy Spirit that's talked about in the New Testament? What, what is this Holy Spirit versus the breath that's in us? And, and when I was going through this, I struggled. How do I d- break these things apart a little bit? Because a lot of the things, they're, they're the same in many ways. Because breath animates us, gives us life and everything. But then we have the Spirit of God that is holy, His presence. It's not just our will and the breath and everything that we want to do. It's God's presence and His will and and things that He wants to do and ordering things. So uh, Psalm uh, 51, 11, uh, there are three times in the Bible that we talk about the Holy Spirit. Psalm 51, 11 uh, says, Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. The presence of God is the Holy Spirit of God. He says in Isaiah 63, But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore he turned to be their enemy and himself fought against them. And then he remembered the days of old of Moses and his people, where is he who brought them up out of the sea from the shepherds of his flock? Where is he who put in them, in the midst of them, his Holy Spirit? And this is like talking about the tabernacle, where the Holy Spirit of God was there, leading them and guiding them through the wilderness, every single step. The presence of God in the temple is the Holy Spirit of God. And that's what we have in us right now, the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us. So throughout the Old Testament, the way that the Holy Spirit worked in many ways is it indwelled people. It indwelled people. And it didn't do it as it does today because when you believe in Jesus Christ, you get the Holy Spirit like that, indwells you. Back then, it, it didn't happen as often. But there are uh, a few circumstances that it did. Uh, like the first person that the Holy Spirit indwelled uh, was Joseph. Pharaoh evaluates him, sorry, Pharaoh elevates him to a position of authority because he sees he is the one in whom is the Spirit of God, where he can do things that he normally couldn't do, but the Spirit of God gave him those abilities. Next, you have um, Bezalel. Like, who's Bezalel? Uh, Bezalel was actually given the Spirit of God to craft amazing things for the Tabernacle. Exodus 31, 2 through 5. See, I have called the name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, bronze, in cutting stones for settings, and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And when I hear, hear this, I'm like, man, God, can you do that for me so I can skip five years of practicing guitar, you know? Sometimes he does, actually. There's been times I've done, got up and did something. I'm like, how in the world did I do that? I have no clue. And I just knew it was the Spirit. I, c- I couldn't have done it myself. So here, in the dwelling of the, the Spirit, gave this person amazing talents, amazing gifts. Uh, another person who had the Spirit was Samson. He killed a lion with his bare hands, just ripped, ripped him right open. I mean... We don't normally do that, and we have the Holy Spirit in us. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I was like, man, I'm going to just gonna go, go hunting, leave my gun behind, and just, you know. No, but 
that's an, uh, uh, the way the Holy Spirit worked. He empowered people to do superhuman things. Then he, uh, the Spirit was on the prophets, the prophets of old. The prophets of old were able to see God's perspective because the Spirit of God was on them. And could you imagine seeing God's perspective? See his will in the future and how it's going to unfold. Probably be amazing and scary at the same time. And, and so when the prophets of old were filled with the Spirit, they looked at God's world and there was something missing. The beauty of the original creation that they saw in Genesis was lost. But God foretold through the prophets that a change was coming. God was going to use his spirit not only to renew the world, but to renew humans. Ezekiel 36, 26-27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. I mean, could you imagine that? When they wrote this, they're like, wow, the spirit that was in the, in the tabernacle, that was in the temple, that's going to be in me? Whoa, mind blown. Because that spirit was dangerous. You could die going into the tabernacle if you weren't cleansed. They're like, well, how is he going to do that? How is God going to bring that spirit into human beings and change their heart? And they saw that that was going to happen, but they didn't know how it was going to happen. So this moved of, moves us forward into the New Testament and how the Bible talks about the New Testament Holy Spirit. And this is where most of our understanding of the Holy Spirit comes is through the New Testament and how it, the Holy Spirit was working through Jesus Christ and his ministry and his disciples and all that. So, let's take a look at the New Testament. Um, let's look at the, the works of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. The first one is the Spirit in the origins of Jesus Christ. The Spirit in the origins of Jesus Christ. Matthew 1.18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit, as Micah was talking about this morning. This is the Holy Spirit doing this act of creation like he did in Genesis. So his, the Holy Spirit working to start the ministry of Jesus Christ, the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Second, we have the Spirit in the ministry of Jesus, not just the incarnation, but his ministry throughout life. Luke 4.1. Then Jesus left Jordan, full of the Holy Spirit, and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. And this is another view of the Holy Spirit ordering Jesus' ministry, ordering his life, bringing order out of what can be chaos when we try to do things our way. And Jesus was walking in step with the Spirit. Then we have uh, the Spirit in the resurrection of Jesus. Just to go back through real quick, the Spirit in the origins of Jesus, the Spirit in the ministry of Jesus, and then the Spirit in the resurrection of Jesus. After Jesus died, three days later, he was brought back to life. 
It says in Romans 1, 3 through 4, Concerning the Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh, and was appointed to be the powerful Son of God according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. The Spirit of holiness that was on and in Jesus brought him back to life. He took something that was dead and brought life to it. He animated Jesus. And the same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus, if we believe in Jesus, is in us too. And that should bring hope that death is in the end of us. In, in the Bible, you know, as we go along past Jesus' ministry, we have that coming of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 says the, the coming of the Holy Spirit to work in God's people, in us. Acts 2, 1 through 3. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly the sound, like that of a violent rushing wind, came from heaven. Got wind going on again, you know? And filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each of them. This time was different than the time in the past. Something amazing was taking place. God's presence was now living inside of those who believed in Jesus. Because Jesus was able to forgive the sins of anyone who believes and to cleanse them from all unrighteousness, they could finally receive the Holy Spirit into their bodies. The long-awaited presence of God that the prophets had looked for in the past could live inside a temple not made by hands, but one created by God, our bodies. We are the temple of God, both individually and corporately. And because of what Christ did on the cross, because of his forgiveness, we have the promised Holy Spirit that is, has created us anew. He has given us life, and he is with us at all times. His presence is with us. So now that the Spirit lives in us, what does the Spirit do inside of us? First, the Spirit comforts us. The Spirit comforts us. John 14, 26. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit from the Father, will send in my, uh, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. The Holy Spirit is called here the Counselor. But this word that they're using there is one who goes alongside, one that helps you, that cares for you. I had a... a uh, this past Tuesday, our daughter was on the monkey bars and she fell and she put her arm out and she landed and her arm didn't go the direction it should have gone. And she, uh, she went out before everyone else. So she was, we found her laying on the ground and we had all these people come in and just love and care for her. We had some people come beside her and say, hey, this thing happened to me. I broke my arm as well. And, and here's the story of how it went. You'll be fine. And they were coming alongside her. I, Tammy Coggin went and called 911 for us so that they could come in and, and they could brace her arm as we went to the hospital. We had so many people just coming. Hey, can I help with this? Can I help with that? 
And, and this is what the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy Spirit is there walking alongside us, giving us wisdom and understanding and, and helping us in everything. Not in just, you know, one situation, but in everything. And, and many times, if we don't go to the Holy Spirit, we won't get that comfort. Just like if I tripped and scraped my knee, unless I go to my parents when I'm a little kid, I won't get any comfort. I can just hide it and be like, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. Just like limping for the rest of the day. No, I'm, I'm good. But my parents, they want to help me. And that's what the Holy Spirit is for us. He is our counselor. He wants to comfort us and help us. Two, the Spirit teaches us. Going back to John 14, 26. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. And I believe this is truth. But I, I can tell you right now, I haven't learned all things yet from the Bible. I'm still learning and growing. Um, but I know that as I read the Word of God, the Holy Spirit teaches me. The Holy Spirit is there to guide me. I'm not just doing it by myself. And I don't know about you guys, probably when you're talking to people, ever had this moment where you're trying to remember a verse or something to encourage someone or to lead them, and all of a sudden, boom, it's right in your head. And you're like, how in the world did I get there? Oh, yeah, that was the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Spirit teaching me and bringing to memory things from the Word of God so that I can walk in the way that he wants me to, in the will of the Father. So he teaches us through life. And then the Spirit produces fruit in us. Before we were talking about um, how we now have the presence of God in us. And that means the Spirit is acting in us to produce works that are good. The Spirit is acting in us to produce works that are good. And we can see all that the Spirit is doing when we compare it to what life without the Spirit is versus life with the Spirit. Galatians 5, 19. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. And I'm warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the law is not against such things. The fruit is the marker for the church as a whole and as individuals. These fruits are God ordering our lives to function properly. It's creating in us the person that he always wanted us to be from the very beginning. <clears throat> we can either follow our flesh and be just like the world, or we can allow the Holy Spirit of God to change us so that these will be the fruit that we bear. People see our fruit. People see something different about us. And fruit is actually enjoyable. When you eat a, an apple or a banana or whatever it is in life, it's also enjoyable when you produce the fruits of the Spirit. Our church, the love that we have for the Father, 
is defined by everyone else by the way that we produce these fruits outwardly. When people look at us, they're not looking at, oh, how much knowledge do you have of the Bible? No, they're looking at the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. Corporately. That's the biggest thing. Corporately. And how we care for one another and how we care for this, people in this world. And then if they've never met us corporately, they're looking at us individually to see if the Spirit is actually doing those things. That's what people are attracted to. I know when I'm really hungry and I'm out in the middle of an orchard picking apples, I'm going to grab an apple and just eat one because I'm hungry. And the world is hungry for the things of God when they're these fruits. People want to have love. People want to have joy. I don't know if everyone wants to have patience, but you know. Um, but the fruits of the Spirit are appealing, especially when you do them to someone else who is not that way. Like, why do you act this way towards me? Why do you care about me? Why? I don't deserve any of this. I'm like, you know, you know what? You don't, but God loves you, and I am motivated by that same love to love you too. And, and these are just three out of many of the things that the Spirit does, but I just want to focus on those three for now. So now that we have a fuller understanding of the Spirit, <clears throat> we can better see the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, work in our lives. But even though that he lives inside us, it doesn't mean that we always follow or listen to the Spirit. Paul warns us, do not quench the Spirit of God. Do not quench the Spirit of God. And, and quenching the Spirit of God is simply not listening or saying no when the Spirit shows us something and we decide not to walk in that way. And this can easily be seen I know for myself and my, and my kids sometimes, the other day I was working on my sermon in, in, in the bedroom and Hannah came op and opened the door and she looked in. I was like, Hannah, you need to go. I need to focus. Oh, okay. And right next to her, Abigail. And she was looking at me too and she, she heard the same thing. She closed the door. Second later. Like, stick their heads in. This time it's Abigail. She took one look at me and she goes, Oh, no spanky, no spanky. I was like, I told you, I told Hannah not to open the door, and now you're opening the door. But she was right there, she, and, but I didn't have to say a word. She knew she was doing wrong. Just by one simple look. Kids, you guys know that look from your parents? That one simple look. You're like, oh no, I'm in trouble. Run, hide, you know. We can do that to the Spirit where we know exactly what we're supposed to do. He's told us in our hearts. He's revealed to us in Scripture. And we're like, no, we're not going to follow that direction. We don't always go the way of the Spirit. But we need to examine our lives. Is there something in our life that is quenching the Spirit? Is there something in our lives that's directing us in the wrong way to where the Spirit is not leading us and guiding us? Do not quench the Spirit of God. Number two, this is a positive one. Let the Spirit of God change us. Let the Spirit of God change us. The Christian life is hard. It is very hard. And there are so many things in the Word of God that we need to know and live our lives by. Scriptures to remember and memorize. Things we need to keep, that we need to do to keep our lives in check with God's Word. 
But one thing that is the hardest to change is ourselves. We can try so hard to change our actions or our will, but it is the work of the Spirit that actually changes us. It's the Spirit that makes us a new creation at our salvation. It is the Spirit of God that indwells us. It is the Spirit of God that sanctifies us as we humble ourselves and open our lives to be changed. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. We are transformed by the Spirit as we sit and behold the glory of God in His Word and through His church. Through every single one of you, the Holy Spirit uses you in people's lives when you reflect the glory of God. And it's very important what we put in front of our eyes. Psalm 101, verse 3 says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. Because what we put in front of our eyes, other people's wills, other people's way of living, speaks to us. And if we do it often enough, we'll start living that life. Instead of letting the Holy Spirit change us into what he wants, we will start living the life that we see through our eyes. I, I was looking for an illustration for this, and <clears throat> I actually found a game online. I was like, oh, I wonder what this game is. So you have all these little uh, stick figures, one with the square head, one with the circle head, running around, and you have to take a picture of these little uh, stick figures, and you're trying to get something that will make them angry or upset because you're a news reporter. And so you take a picture, and the moment you take the right picture, it goes on the screen, it says, squares hate circles. And then they have people come up and watch, and they're like, oh, yeah, we do. Arr! And they get angry at one another. And you set these scenarios up over and over and over again to where you start dividing and, and showing hate and anger in, in everything that people look at. But when the Spirit is working in us, we are not focused on this. We are focused on God and His Word and we are letting his word change us, not the things of this world. I, I have given up watching the news a long time ago because there are so many things on the news that just get me down and pull me down. Actually, a lot of my news comes from talking to people that do watch the news. I'm like, hey, what happened? They're like, oh, this happened. Okay, thank you for filtering, you know. But, as, but the Spirit wants to change us in, by changing our will, by reflecting on God and, and what he is doing. But none of this really falls into place until we know why we're motivated to the change that the Spirit's doing. We need to be motivated by the love of Jesus. We need to be motivated by the love of Jesus. More often than not, I can convince myself to do something I don't want to do just for a little bit. It's called willpower. <laughs> I can start something, and I'm just so excited about getting through it. And I, and I get about a week and a half in, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. I'm, oh, I'm so tired, especially when it comes to running or working out. And just like oh, two weeks in, I'm just like, now why am I doing this again? Uh, why did I wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning? I have no clue. I'm crazy. And willpower can last for a while. But Jesus Christ 
wants our motivation to be his love. The gospel is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believes because the gospel is God loving us. God sending his son so that we could have forgiveness of sins. He loved, so he gave. And if that love is not the motivating factor in moving forward in the way that the Holy Spirit is directing, we can do it for a little bit, but it's going to just crash and burn eventually. Because if God's love is not motivating us, we're running on fumes. We're running on fumes. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians um, 5 that it's the love of Jesus that compels him to live righteously. Paul understood the futility of life without Christ and the empty pursuit of righteousness through self-effort. We must always depend on the love of Jesus. First, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. So just like the missionary who tried so hard to power his car with his ingenious solutions, we too need to look at our lives and ask if we are doing the same thing. Is there anything in our lives that we have not humbled ourselves in and asked the Spirit to give us direction to change? Are we allowing His life-giving breath to animate us through the love of Jesus, or are we striving to animate ourselves by our own devices? That's the question for us. Let's pray. Lord, I I ask that you speak to our hearts right now. Help us to lay our hearts bare before you and, and say, God, am I allowing the Spirit to change me through your love or am I just trying to do the right thing because I'm just trying to? Lord, I pray that you would reveal in our hearts right now things that are against you because we're trying to do our life on our own. And just to lay it at your feet and say, now, Spirit, bring life to what was happening here by redirecting me in the way that you want me to go. Maybe that's you. Maybe you have things in your life that are going the wrong way because you haven't let the Spirit breathe life into it and redirect it and order it. Today, I want you to give that to the Spirit and say, Spirit, redirect me and order me to go the right way in what you want me to do. Maybe you've been trying to go in the right direction and you haven't given over, been given over to the will of God through Jesus Christ's love because you haven't experienced his love. You haven't, you haven't sat and just seen God and it's all his glory and know the love that he has for you. Today, I I ask you that you would ask God to reveal his love to you. Lord, we want to be changed to be like Christ in all that we do. Help us not to strive our own strength. Help us to get rid of our, our will and ask that your will would replace our will so that you can work in our lives, that you can Give us an abundant life 
that is glorifying to you and that has meaning and purpose and it's not just something we try to get through. Take us past where we've been before. Even the crazy things that you might ask us to do, help us to be obedient in those things so that you can receive the glory and you can work mightily, not in our lives, but in other people's lives as well. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check out our website at baconscastle.com to get to know us and see what God is doing locally here in Surrey. Be blessed. Thank you.